everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Welcome to our very special holiday edition of the Animal Files, where we're going to bring you all of the information that we have collected to help you and your animals have a safe and healthy holiday season. So Miranda, since safety is your area of expertise, share with us some of the things that you've learned along the way that could help us and let us know what you feel are the things that are most important to consider this holiday season. Well, we all know that Christmas and other related festivities are a great time for friends and family to gather and to enjoy great food and to have fun with games and presents. But do you know how this can affect your animal? Do you know what you need to be aware of? The first area that I want to talk about is, or that we want to talk about, is Christmas food and drink. However, this this episode is going to be largely focused on Christmas, but this can also, some of these areas will also apply for Thanksgiving, which is coming up here very soon for those of you in the U.S., but there's other holidays too, like Hanukkah and, and those type of festivities that these areas can apply to as well. So the first food area that uh, I want to address is we tend to often have chocolates, candies, and lots of desserts that are around and made and given like as gifts or brought to parties and different things like this. And we don't realize how detrimental these things could necessarily be for our pets. I think most people are aware that chocolates aren't good for their pets, but I want to give you some tips on how to minimize the the chances of them getting access to it. Because I'm sure that most of you are not going to actively give your dog chocolate or your cat chocolate. In a lot of cases, it's more the dogs that are concerned because cats are more discerning about what they eat and they may not be interested in these type of things. However, every cat is different and sometimes they will go for things that will surprise you. Because there tends to be a lot of chocolates and candies, we usually put them in candy dishes or different bowls or something like that. And we'll have them lying around on coffee tables or shelves, counters, that type of thing. Animals have a really good sense of smell. So even if they are wrapped, they might still be attracted to it and will reach for it when you're not around and not aware. So you need to make sure that these items are being put in a place that there's absolutely no way that your animals can get access to them. This also includes not leaving them wrapped under the tree as in a gift or putting them into stocking stuffers that might be hanging low enough for them to access. Even though it may not look as festive as you would like, it's still much better for you and your pets to just leave these items in a cupboard or up high somewhere, 
even up high is kind of risky because cats are able to get up high in a lot of cases. So just having them in a location that is closed and that they just cannot open or get into is the best um, idea. And you also have to pay attention to like when other people give you gifts, we don't think that if we're in somebody else's house, you know, somebody gives us a gift and if it's a gift of chocolate, we're not as aware as we are in our own home. I know someone who was given chocolate as a gift and because they were in the middle of doing something, he had put it down so he would remember to take it and the person's home that they were in, their animal got to it and their animal ate most of it while they were not paying attention. And that particular dog had to go and get his stomach pumped. Mm -hmm. So not only do you have to be aware of this in your own home, but you have to be aware. I know with coronavirus running rampant through the world right now, a lot of us are not going to be spending time in large gatherings. But keep in mind that if you do spend time with family members or a friend and they give you a gift and they have animals, you need to be just as aware of any food products that you're given as a gift in their home as well as in your own home. Mm -hmm. So just heighten up your awareness across the board, especially when it comes to chocolate and candies. Mm -hmm. And I think that you will end up being a little bit more protected. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. And if you're wondering why candies are such a big issue, it's not because of the sugar in it. It's because a lot of them are sweetened with xylitol, mm. which is extremely toxic to animals. Yeah. So the desserts is another area to be aware of as well, because again, we often tend to leave these sitting on countertop because we want our guests to be able to just help themselves whenever they want. But most countertops are usually too narrow. And if you have one, if you have a chihuahua, it's not going to be an issue, but if you have something like a golden retriever, usually they are tall enough that they can jump up and they can reach their head to almost the middle of the counter to get what they want. So don't, uh, don't undermine what they are capable of. Yes. A lot of desserts, the reasons that they have a tendency to be problematic is one, they also tend to have chocolate a lot of the time. But secondly, they also tend to have grapes or raisins or currants, which are you can find in fruit cakes and Christmas puddings and that type of thing. These can uh, affect their kidneys. So you really want to be aware. There's a lot of human ingredients that can be quite harmful to your pets. So you really want to be aware of what your animals are getting access to. And we also mentioned about dairy. Most animals shouldn't have dairy. And a lot of these desserts like cheesecakes, those types of desserts, they are very heavily dairy based. That can cause major problems. The fat contents, there's a lot of things in our human foods, but we're going to go over some of these things as we go on. But I just wanted to mention that the dairy part is also a pretty big, important thing, especially around the holidays. You got chocolates, you got hot chocolates, you have cheesecakes. <laughs> we can go down the line, mm -hmm. you know, cheese plates. How many people have cheese plates during the holidays? Mm -hmm. Think cheese is innocuous, but too much of it can definitely cause a problem. Mm -hmm. Even the, the sausages, when you have those cheese and sausage type platters and that, um, because it's a processed meat. There's a lot of ingredients in processed meats that are very unhealthy as well. Yes. 
So this is not going to be an all-inclusive list, but we're going to go through kind of the more common ones that people tend to give their pets. So the next one you want to be aware of is snacky items, because that's another thing that tends to get left out quite a bit. You can have nuts, you can have chips, you can have nachos, uh, probably a whole bunch of different types of snacky items. And macadamia nuts especially are very toxic. And they're even worse when they're covered in chocolate. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So the problem with this is that nuts can, or macadamia nuts in particular, can cause a risk of pancreatitis. And you really don't want to end up having to rush your pet to emergency during your Christmas holidays or during any of your holidays. That doesn't make a very uh, pleasant way to have to spend your holidays. Yeah, let's avoid those emergency trips to the vet, please. Let's avoid them. So the next one is alcohol. Now, again, alcohol is not something that most people would consider giving to their pets. However, I have known at least one person who did intentionally do that. But alcohol, if you if you have any understanding of how it affects the body and humans, generally, the smaller you are, the quicker the alcohol will affect your system. I remember a story of a chihuahua who accidentally somehow got into some alcohol. I don't know how much it actually drank. I don't think it was a whole lot. It wasn't certainly wasn't a whole glass. It was probably just a few laps of it. But it ended up in a coma. Wow. Alcohol is very serious when it comes to your pets. The best way to avoid this is you want to make sure and make sure your guests are aware of not leaving any alcoholic drinks or desserts that have alcohol in it in a location that pets can get access to and make sure they are aware of where it is all the time. You know, pets are like children. You can turn your back for two seconds and they can get themselves into some trouble. Oh yeah, absolutely. And most of the uh, most of these alcoholic drinks, they got a lot of sugar to them, so they can be appealing to their sense of smell, which draws them to it. And with their heightened sense of smell, it could take seconds with you turning your back and a a dog or a cat is lapping on a cold Irish coffee or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it's like you got to be very very cognizant. I think that's the best word. That's the word of the day. Cognizant. <laughs> be cognizant of your environment and when you are drinking and eating food over the holidays, mm-hmm. definitely. Now, I know bones can be a very controversial idea of whether to give those to your dogs or not. It's not something cats are really going to go for, but a lot of people want to give their dogs, like especially if you're having a beef roast or a pork roast or something like that, a lot of people want to give the bones to their dogs afterwards. Unfortunately, though, cooked bones can be very serious for animals because when they're cooked and they splinter much more easily and they're more brittle, so they can splinter into needle-sharp pieces which one, they can cause damage to the mouth if they splinter, poke any of the area of the mouth um, at the very beginning. However, if these pieces get swallowed, then you could have lacerations that could happen anywhere down from the esophagus down through the intestine and also possibly punctures, which punctures in your 
intestinal area or stomach area, that is extremely serious. And that's an emergency yes. visit, unless you're not paying attention and then you end up losing your animal because of negligence, because you weren't mm -hmm. aware. So it could also create an obstruction. So it may not actually, if you're lucky, it may not actually end up penetrating anything or piercing anything, but it can accumulate into an area of the bowel. This is not something you will probably notice right away. You'll notice it probably over a couple of days because your dog will have issues with how, going to the bathroom and they'll also end up with pain in their abdominal area. We'll go into more details of how to identify that kind of stuff in another episode, but just to be aware that these are issues that can occur from that. There's controversy on whether raw bones are okay, but definitely raw bones are better in the fact that they will not become brittle or splinter the way that cooked bones will. I've heard that they're a little bit more pliable but still, it's always best to err on the side of caution. Just be safe, mm -hmm. really. Just be safe. So you, this is like your jam. This is what you do. You teach people how to be safe with their pet. And you definitely educate people and how to keep the whole household animals and all safe. There are a lot of things that you have done your research in and you also have intense knowledge about. And I'm so happy that we've been able to bring this to you. We have so much information today. And since this is a special episode, we are just wanted to let you know, this is going to be a longer episode. We've been trying to keep our episodes around 30 minutes, but this is so much great information coming from Miranda that we wanted to make sure that you, our listeners, have all of the information necessary that you can go into this holiday season with all of the tools and all of the knowledge that you need. I just wanted to break in and let you know that we got a lot more coming to you. I'm going to allow Miranda to do a lot of this episode because she knows this stuff and she really wants to bring this to you. And so do I. Just please keep listening. We will continue with our foods. There's still more foods that we need to be aware of. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Miranda, take it away. <laughs> okay, so the next one we want to be aware of is fatty foods. Now, fatty foods would be consisting of things like bacon, fat trimmings, turkey, and chicken skin, which again is something that is very common around the holidays. So you want to make sure you are not giving any of these things to your pet as a treat. If necessary, you can freeze them, maybe make some soup out of them or something later, or just throw them in the garbage. And if you are throwing stuff like this into the garbage, make sure that the garbage is secured. You want to make sure that the animals, cats too. Oh, oh yeah. I've had uh, many cats that knock over my garbages <laughs> over the years. Oh yeah. <laughs> No, it, it's, you know, you may not have to worry about your, uh, you know, your goldfish getting into the garbage, but most animals will find a way into the garbage if they have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and especially when things are starting to, to rot a little bit, this smell becomes a lot stronger as well. But even with all the cooking and that, that is happening on the holidays, you get all these different smells that are in the garbage. And it's very attractive to your pets. Yes. So you can get garbage cans that have secure lids on them that animals are not going to be able to just easily open. And if you don't have something like that, you want to make sure that you don't just have those bags lying around. You want to throw them out in a bin as quickly as you can. Yes. 
And just getting back to the fatty foods again, the concern with that is that it can, these items can affect the digestive system and again, could lead to pancreatitis. Yeah. You're going to be hearing that word a lot today. Pancreatitis is one of the number one causes of illness that happens around the holiday season. This is probably the issue that we're going to help you avoid the most because it is the most reactive thing that can happen to an animal if it eats improperly. Some of the other things you may not see right away, but pancreatitis will probably present itself within a day or two. This is Mm -hmm. the one illness that we are going to be pretty adamant about preventing. Mm -hmm. So the last food I'm going to, food or food family, I guess I could say that I'm going to mention is the onion family. The onion family includes foods like, well, onions, of course, (laughs) (laughs) garlic, (laughs) chives, leeks. These are all part of the onion family. These are also can cause very serious issues in your animal. They affect their blood and can cause anemia. Yes. So you definitely want to avoid having that. The best rule of thumb is to not give them any human food at all, aside from food that you have confirmed with your vet or an animal nutritionist is safe for them. Dogs can have a lot more human food than cats can, but you really need to understand which human foods are okay to give and which ones are not okay to give. So how do you keep your, I I mentioned a couple of ways, but how do you keep your animals from getting access to these foods? Well, one of the, the best ways you can do it If it's possible, now it depends on the setup of your home, of course, but the best way is to be able to keep your animals out of the kitchen and dining room altogether, since that's where the food usually is accumulated. But not all kitchens and dining rooms have doorways. However, it is possible if you work with your animals early enough that you can train them that they are not allowed in those rooms. And they will, if they're trained well enough, they will obey that and not come in there unless, well, even if you say come in or something, they'll They'll question you. (laughs) They'll usually question you. It's like, well, but you told me that I'm not supposed to. That would be the ideal way. The second way is to make sure that any dishes or platters that you have containing food, if they're going to be kept out on the counter, is that you keep them in closed containers, like sealable containers. You can cover them with plastic wrap or aluminum, but that's usually not enough to prevent an animal from getting into the food if they want it. Oh, yeah, yeah. If it's so rip it right open. Mm -hmm. So if it's in a sealable container, it's much more difficult for them to be able to try to take the lid off. It's not impossible, mind you, again, if they're desperate enough, but (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, definitely a a better way, a more effective way to do it. Now, if you're able to put it in the fridge, that would be the best way. Yeah. And and if worse comes to worse and you have an open concept home, you can also take like a bedroom or something that you can keep the door shut and the animals out. You can use something like that if you have that available. You would just have to arrange your household the best way. The thing that we want to really bring to you with this whole podcast is think like your animal. Think like your animal. If your animal can figure it out, if you can see your animal figuring it out, 
then you need to take extra steps. So putting yourself into the head of your animal will help you be able to organize where in the house and how you are going to wrap up the food as it awaits your family dinners. That's a very good point. Yeah. So just to wrap up this section of it, I just want to mention that if there ends up being an obstruction or lacerations that occurs from the food that an animal is eating or has eaten, intestinal surgery is can be very risky. It tends to be a more complicated surgery because you've got all this bacteria and whatnot that's inside that could cause infection in other parts of the body if, if it ends up somehow getting out. So there is a much higher risk of infection, as I said, and there could be a possible need to remove a section of the intestine depending on how the, the blockage is and how long it's been there, which can have long-term effects on how the digestive system works. So you really want to avoid having anything that causes that. Absolutely. You guys, you have to do what you can. You really do. If you love your animals, you will take these precautions. I said it before. I will say it again. I will get out my soapbox. It isn't about you. It's about them. If you are going to be an animal guardian and you are going to have pets living in your home, then you need to look to them like you would your own children. Very definitely. It's about their safety, not your convenience. Okay, I'm getting knocked down. All right, let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I told you I got lots of soapboxes, people. <laughs> <laughs> So with all the foods that I listed, just be aware that there are many human foods, as I said, that are toxic to animals and can make them extremely sick or even cause them death. It's better overall to avoid these expensive emergency visits or the possible trauma of losing your pet during a time that is supposed to be a celebration. Absolutely. Nobody wants to suffer emotionally because of a loss of a family member, whether they're human or not. Enjoy the season. Be grateful for what you have. Have the joy. And you can only do that if you pay attention. Mm -hmm. And again, I just, I just wanted to reiterate as well, general, you just want to be aware and inform your guests as well to not leave, leave any drinks or food unattended at any time. And to also have your guests to not give your pets any treats, any unauthorized treats. Yes. And I'm just going to throw a caveat in here. Be safe for yourself too. If you're going to gather with family, we are in very unprecedented times. So be safe all around. If you can limit the amount of people and amount of guests that you have in your home this season, this is the 2020 Christmas season, holiday season, and we have a lot of things that we got to deal with right now. So just be safe. And the more safe you are, the more safe your animals will be. So just be smart and mm -hmm. think about others instead of just thinking about, I need to get together with a bunch of people for the holidays. Be safe. Just be safe. If you can limit the amount of guests in your yeah. home, that's going to be better for you. It's going to be better for your guests and it's going to be better for your animals. It's going to be better all the way around. So just be smart, people. I just want to throw that in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just think about how important are traditions really? They're nice, but are they really necessary? Yeah. Are they more important than the life of somebody you love? No, I don't think so. 
but this is not about this. <laughs> this is not about our opinions and views. <laughs> this is about giving you facts that you can use this holiday season to keep you and your animals safe. So we talked about a bunch of food mm-hmm. stuff. Is there anything left for the food or would you want to move on to other areas like plants? Because a lot of people get plants as gifts for holiday season. So we want to make sure we fit that in as well. Yes, I've covered all the the main common foods that tend to be given, tend to be eaten during the Christmas season. But plants, that was part of the reason why I wanted to touch on tradition as well, because a lot of people get these specific types of plants, such as mistletoe poinsettias, holly, uh, lilies, as part of their tradition. And if you're not aware, then these plants can cause serious problems for your pets. And death. Yes. (laughs) So we all love mistletoe, especially if we're having gatherings and the idea of being able to kiss the person <laughs> under the mistletoe yeah, I don't again. Know how much kissing we're going to be doing this year, but yes, I mean, <laughs> it's it, tradition. They've been doing that for hundreds of years, kissing under the mistletoe. So a lot of people mm-hmm. bring mistletoe into their house. That's not a good thing. Yes. Especially if you have animals. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're able to, if you really, really, really want to have it still, if you are able to put it up high and make sure that no pieces of it are going to fall onto the floor and that your dogs are not going to, or cats are not going to be able to get any kind of access to it, then you might consider it. But the recommendation is to just avoid it completely because even ingesting just a small amount can cause digestive upset, but larger quantities can affect their heart, their nervous system, and their blood pressure. Yeah. And I don't know how many animals, if they like something, they're just going to be, they're just going to go for it. And so you're going to have excessive illness, especially with plants like mistletoe. I have never had, we've talked about how many cats I've had over my lives. I've never had real mistletoe in my house ever in my life. We've always had the plastic version. I think the mistletoe I have in my attic is probably 30 five years old. That's an option. It doesn't have to be real. It doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. real. There's a lot of really nice ones. You still have to be aware of the materials it's made out of and make sure it stays out of the the reach of the animal, but it's safer. You won't have to worry about having pieces of the plant that's going to kill your animal fall onto the floor and them eating it because an animal will eat a little bit to see if they like it. And that little bit might be too late. Yes. Now, there are some dogs who might still try to eat pieces of a plastic plant. Yes, that's why you still <laughs> want Some dogs who will try to eat anything. Yes, but... <laughs> you just want to make sure that no matter what you do, you keep anything. It's always best to keep everything out of the reach of your animals, no matter what it is, whether it's food, direct decorations, everything. Just be safe. Air on the side of caution is basically what we're saying. So what other plants do, uh, do you think people should know about during the holiday season? Well, poinsettias are, are another very common one. And holly is also a very common one. I think holly has a tendency to be used maybe more as a garland along stairwells and that type of thing. The berries on the, it's not the leaves, the green part or the stems of the holly, that's so much the problem. It's the berries are extremely toxic. And doesn't matter if they're fresh or if they're dried. 
if ingested in at any time, they are going to cause a lot of issues. And point set is we kind of talked a little bit about that in a previous episode with Victoria sharing her example of having that plant and how her cats reacted. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you want to just review that story again. Yes. Well, I have, as I mentioned in a previous episode, I have a very large poinsettia. They're going to be having their third Christmas this year. So I've had them for quite a while. I've only had the cats for a little over a year. And when my kittens were younger, I'm assuming one of the leaves fell off the plant. And I was unaware of this. And so my little Maisie ended up ingesting a small leaf, just a tiny little leaf. It wasn't a big thing. It didn't eat a lot, but she was very ill for about three or four days. She kind of ate a little bit and she still drank water. So I was with, you know, the pandemic, I didn't really rush her to the vet. I wanted to see how things go because again, she was eating a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit, and she was drinking water. Those are the two of the biggest markers that you want to pay attention to when your animal is ill. So she, for I think only lasted about three days. And then all of a sudden she kicked back into normal, but it was still very concerning. And since then I have been hyper aware of my plants now that they're older and we've trained them to stay away from the plants it's been a lot easier but I'm constantly tending to the poinsettia I'm constantly looking for leaves that are starting to yellow I'm constantly scouring the floor just to be on the safe side poinsettias again are not going to kill your animal but they will make them sick and it's best to just again I can't say it enough Air on the side of caution because it's going to scare you and it's going to concern you if your animal eats a poinsettia leaf or eats any part of the plant and then gets sick. Yeah, that was my lesson. That was my lesson and it was learned and the cats also learned it because Maisie has had not any interest with the plants ever since, which is good. She learned the lesson, but cats, as we've mentioned several times, they're a little bit more discerning. She may remember how sick she got. I don't know. But yeah, that is my experience. And it was a lesson learned. And hopefully my experience you can use to help protect your animals as well. So are there any other plants that you want to bring to people's attention? Well, lilies is definitely another one I'd want to bring to attention because I think out of all of these, this is the one that has the most toxic effect on animals, especially cats in particular. They don't need very much at all for them to get extremely sick. It will affect their kidneys. And all they need is to just brush against the the plant, get a little bit of the pollen on their fur and go to groom themselves. And they could be in kidney failure just like that. Best to not have any lilies if you have animals, especially cats in your house. Just say, I'm sorry. Thank you for the thought, but I can't have this in my house. Mm -hmm. So two other plants that I want to bring up, I'm not actually all that familiar with them. So they're supposed to be fairly common, but you might want to do a little bit of research on them and get yourself familiar with what kind of plants they are. One is called cyclamen, spelled Mm C-Y-C-L-A-M-E-N. It's supposed to be a common holiday decoration or gift, and it can affect the digestive system, the nervous system, and the heart. 
And depending on how much is ingested, it can be cause anywhere from a mild digestive upset all the way to death. So that's one you, you want to become aware of. Another one is the amaryllis, which is part of the lily family, but it's not as toxic as the lily plant itself. But that can also still affect the digestive system, the respiratory system, and the blood pressure of an animal. And so amaryllis is spelled A-M-A-R-Y-L-L-I-S. So if you want to do some research on those two and get a little bit more familiar with them, that will be beneficial for both you and your pets. Yeah. Basically, keep all foreign plants out of your house over the Christmas season. And if people give you gifts, hopefully you're not having large gatherings, but maybe let people know ahead of time if they typically, if if you have a guest or a friend that always gives you a plant for Christmas or for Hanukkah or for Kwanzaa or for whatever holiday that you celebrate, then you need to be okay with standing up for your animal and saying, please do not bring these particular pants into the house as gifts. I appreciate the thought, but I don't want my animal to get sick. Mm-hmm. Your friends will abide by that because they're your friends and they love you and they don't want to cause any pain. So <laughs> be okay with standing up for your animal and be okay with the words N-O. It's okay. It's okay to say, don't buy me any plant. And even though these are typically holiday plants, you just also want to be aware of plants that you just have in your home on an everyday basis. These plants that we talked about might be ones that are just in your home temporarily, but be aware of those ones that are hanging potted plants, hanging plants that are there for the long term and consider how these might affect your pets as well. Yeah. And some of these plants, at least I know lilies, this also goes into the Easter season as well. So as we go into spring in 2021, these are also plants that you need to pay attention to and not bring into your house then because they're not just toxic during Christmas. They're toxic all year round. (laughs) So So um, what other types of things do you think that our listeners need to pay attention to during the holiday season, Miranda? Well, these things are focused more around the Christmas season itself because it just tends to be a lot more of it. And that's electricals, different types of decorations, issues with the Christmas tree, candles, potpourris, gifts, batteries. So I'm going to go into more in depth on all of those. The first one I'll talk about is electricals. And what I mean by that is you have the Christmas lights that you might put around uh, around your house on the outside. If they're down low enough and you have your animal outside, they might try to go after it. Probably not as common. The ones to be more concerned about are the ones that you put on your Christmas tree. Whatever it is about them, especially if animals are going through a chewing phase, whether it's because they're teething or because they've got some other thing going on with them, they might become curious and think that the cord is a good, good thing to chew on. And they might chew on the, on the lower part where it's coming from the tree and is actually plugged into the outlet. But they could also chew on the higher part, the part that is between the actual light bulbs. Yeah. And you have to remember people, light strings look just like that to an animal. They look like strings. 
And any animal, yeah, any animal, dogs, cats will see something thin that moves funny and are going to be attracted to it. And they may start playing with it. And most animals play with their mouth as well. So it's Mm -hmm. not just their paws. They're playing with it. They're like, aha, I got to grind my teeth on this one because it's fun. (laughs) You need to pay attention (laughs) to all this. You're going to end up having bare wires if you're not paying attention to it. And bare wires are fire hazards. They are Mm -hmm. electrocution hazards. And if they do end up chewing on it, it could be a mild, I mean, nothing is, nothing is so mild that you should avoid it or avoid dealing with it, but it could be a minimal risk of injury in that they just have some burns in their mouth, which does still affect them because it creates problems with them eating. Depending on how bad the burns are, it could take a while for it for them to heal or it could cause maybe some long-term damage. But just like for us, if we are playing around with electricity, it could kill us. It could kill your pet. So it can go anywhere in that range. There's a spectrum and you need to be cautious and aware no matter where you land on that spectrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what do you do to prevent this? Well, if you really want to have the lights on, one of the things is you can put it up higher on the tree. So it's only maybe on the top half of the tree. And yes, it may not look as nice. Yes, we did discuss that having an animal. (laughs) You cannot have a perfect looking house when you have animals. It's just the thing, you know, just... (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) Because it's not about you. It's Mm -hmm. about them. (laughs) Or you could skip the lights on the tree altogether and maybe put something on the uh, closer to the top of your ceiling or something like that. And you just attach it to the wall or the ceiling and then have it lit up that way so that they can't have access to it. Yeah, that's actually what we did when we had got the two littles. You know, I was a little concerned. I mean, our Christmas tree was kind of a little bit old and run down to begin with. But in order to protect them, we actually purchased a wall Christmas tree. So the Christmas tree sits on the wall and we have an outlet, thank goodness, like up higher on our wall. So we plug the tree up on the wall and the cats uh, have no way of getting to the tree and it looks really pretty. So we made we made the provisions necessary to keep our animals safe and our home safe. And it's it's okay. There's a lot of items out there. There's upside down Christmas trees. There's Christmas trees that hang from the ceiling. There are, there's so many options out there. And there's so many great DIY projects mm-hmm. that you can still have beautiful decorations and still be safe at the same time. It's okay. Do your research. You don't have to be exactly traditional every single year, especially if your animal needs you to not be traditional for a year or two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just so keep your mind open to being creative. There's a lot of creative options, as Victoria mentioned, that you can do to have still have an enjoyable holiday and enjoy your decorations and that still. Yeah. So now we'll go into the decorations. Oh, actually, I missed a part on the electricals. We just talked about the Christmas lights, but we also, there's a lot of people who like to put their, I don't know, dancing Santa or snowman or something, you know, those type of things that they want to- Those those fun ones that give you a smile. Yeah, they're fun. (laughs) And they might sit on the floor. They might sit on a dresser or something like that. And again, because those are electrical and they've got cords, they could get chewed on. So the same issue with the Christmas tree lights. 
there are other options to that we didn't mention, and that's you can get these kind of um, tubes, sort of hard tube things that can go around the cord. That, oh yeah, those cord protectors. Yeah, yeah. So they they prevent the animals from being able to bite onto the cord. There's also sprays you can get too. How effective they are, I can't really say for certain. I would say that the tubes that go around the the cords are probably much more effective. Yeah, they're probably your better bet. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to go on to the other kinds of uh, decorations, ornaments, garlands, and other items that you might put up on the tree or other areas of your home. We usually have these ornamental balls and other types of ornaments that we put on the tree. But a lot of them are made from material that can break. If they fall on the floor, they can shatter. If they are bitten by your pet, they could shatter. And you get these sharp pieces, either from the the glass or whatever it's made from, or even like the hangers, the metal part of the hanger is sharp. This is going to cause injury to your pet's mouth. They could end up stepping on it and cutting their feet. And if they do somehow end up swallowing it, again, you have that risk of lacerations that could occur anywhere in the body during the digestive process, essentially. So you can get unbreakable ornaments. There are pet safe ornaments that you can buy. And some of them are really quite beautiful. So don't think that you have to give up beauty just to protect your animal. I have had unbreakable ornaments on my tree for over 30 years. And I'm using the same ornaments that I was using for years. And I still love them just as much. They're beautiful. They're a great color. They have a great sheen. They look beautiful on the tree. So you don't have to sacrifice beauty for safety. We just want you to know that you have options. And these unbreakable ornaments There are so many beautiful ones out there. Mm -hmm. So here we go with traditions again. (laughs) And I know one of the things that a lot of families like to do is they like to make garlands together, homemade garlands, especially with the children. And as nice as this is, this is very unsafe for your pets. You might be able to still do the garlands, but find a different place to put them other than the tree and find a higher up place that the your animals are not going to be able to get access to. Yeah. Some of the ones that I have read about that people will make is garlands from popcorn, cranberries, candies such as Lifesavers, Jujubes, and licorice, chocolates wrapped in foil or some other kind of wrap hardened cookie dough, and marshmallows. And these foods can cause intestinal obstructions, choking, or poisoning. Poisoning from the xylitol and the chocolate. These are ones that you you need to be aware of as well. Definitely. Traditions are great, but they are not always safe for every party of your Mm -hmm. home. And again, this is where creativity can come in. It's, you know, you can maybe find a corner of the home where you can put these homemade decorations or fancy decorations or whatever, and you just do some kind of a, maybe a fancy collage in the corner of your, your home, higher up towards the ceiling, you know, yeah, you know, something like that. Or you just don't need to do it. Um, or <laughs> <laughs> I know that, I know that's hard too, because we want to entertain our children during the holidays, but there's also 
there's a lot of options at some of these craft stores that will give you the look, give you the feel. You might be able to create something. You might be able to do paper garlands with your kids. There's a lot of options that you have. You still have to be aware of blockages. But if you go to a craft store and you find, say, fake cranberries and fake this and fake that, the good thing is if your animal is not enticed by the string, they won't even pay attention to it because there's no smell to it. Animals lead by their nose. So there are so many options on the market. Yes, you always have to be prepared and aware and cautious about certain plastics, especially if you have an animal that likes to chew on everything, but you have options. So just explore those options and bring them into your home Mm -hmm. if you need to. Aside from garlands, people have become a lot more aware of it, maybe because that will emphasize it around the holiday season, but tinsel is a very definite problem for pets. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know, they like the glittery or I guess it's the glittery that attracts them about it. But for some reason, they like to eat it. And again, this can cause an an intestinal obstruction if they eat it. But people, I think, are maybe not aware that the edges of tinsel are actually quite sharp. This, again, can cause some lacerations as it's going down. So it's not going to be, it's it's going to be smaller lacerations, I, I would imagine, than something like swallowing shards of glass or bone splinters. But it still causes inflammation. So yeah, as well as it can cause some minor lacerations around the mouth and paws as well. So the real the real yeah. issue with the tinsel is the obstruction. That's the main thing to be aware of. But there's also another material out there that's called angel hair. And I don't know how many people use this. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Maybe I have, but explain I'm to us what that is. Not 100% sure myself, but I'm thinking it's kind of like this sort of fine hair-like material that you can just kind of spread onto the tree somewhat like you would do with tinsel. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything that's stringy, stay away from. I mean, seriously, dogs and cats, they have the shiny object syndrome where anything sparkly that grabs their attention. But if it's stringy and ribbony, they will ingest it. <laughs> so yeah. Oh gosh. I, that The angel hair would scare mm-hmm. me even more because they can eat a lot, awful lot more mm-hmm. before we even know. Yeah, that's not good. No tinsel on the trees, people. Now, those of you who (laughs) live in areas where you don't get snow, you might feel very tempted to use a material called flocking or imitation snow to give you that feel of, of being in winter. Unfortunately, though, this is also toxic for your pets. Uh. <laughs> I know it's scary how many things are really not good for cats and dogs. It's it's scary, but the more you know, the better you can, the better choice. So there's two versions you can get. There's a powder and there's the aerosol versions. The powder version is generally not toxic in what is inside of the material itself. But the problem comes in is if the animal were to swallow the powder, moisture causes the powder to expand. So once they've swallowed that powder, then that powder is going to expand in their throat or in their intestines or something like that and can cause them to, to choke or again, have an intestinal blockage. 
the intestinal blockage is kind of like the, the big thing that and the pancreatitis are the two real big things that seem to be the big issues. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> We're trying to save your animals, people. Um, and that's on the more serious side. If, if they don't swallow it, the powder can also create some irritation in the eyes and to the skin. The aerosol version, however, it has a solvent in it, which can create toxicity if inhaled. So you don't even want to spray this with your pet mm. in the room. And it's probably not even good for humans to inhale either. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's not. Most of these solvents are so damaging to our respiratory systems. And imagine what it could do to an animal. Their lungs are smaller. Their their bodies, you know, their higher metabolisms, they absorb things quicker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's scary. So the best is to avoid either of these options. But if you really, really, really want to use one of them, I would go with the powder over the aerosol. My suggestion would be to make sure that you mix the powder with liquid over the sink and then put it on the tree or whatever afterwards to just to make sure. Or just don't use it. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm pretty much the harsh one here, but you know, what's it worth to you? Really? If it's going to make your animal sick, is the look more important than your animal? These are the questions that I, I hope, personally, I hope that you ask yourself, no matter what situation, no matter what time of year, how much is it worth for you to have something? Because a lot of things are toxic and a lot of things can cause issues with your animal. And a lot of things can cause issues with you. How much are you worth? How much is your animal worth? Asking these questions will help you make the best choices. Okay. Off the soapbox again. <laughs> All right. So what's our next thing? <laughs> so, so the last thing that falls under the decorations, and again, what we're bringing you today is not all inclusive. This is just the most common things that we have discovered yes. is causes issues for your pets. So the last one I'm going to talk about under decorations is ribbons and bows. Mm, yep. <laughs> now yep. I know some people like to tie a ribbon around their pet's neck because they think it looks cute or pretty, but ribbons don't have any flexibility to them. They don't stretch. They could get caught on something and potentially tighten and choke them. That is the, the biggest risk of that. But also ribbons do tend to have like a sharper edge. And so it could cut into the skin a little bit as well. So that's the main reason why you want to avoid them. But sometimes pets also like to chew on them. Again, that chewing thing. Yeah, those that plastic ribbon, that gift wrapping ribbon, mm -hmm. that's made out of plastic. If an animal starts ingesting that because they were playing with it, I know my Maisie loves strings and I have had to pull several strings that she found. I don't know where she found it out of her mouth because it was on its way down her throat. If it's made out of plastic, you're going to get a blockage. It's just what's going to happen. If it, maybe it, maybe you might get lucky if they ingest a tiny little bit, it might pass through, but I don't know too many animals that have the ability to say, Oh, mm -hmm. no, that's enough. So your best option would be to tell your friends, your family, and that to not give you any gifts that contain bows or ribbons. Just use wrapping paper only. Mm -hmm. But other than that, your alternative is that as soon as you unwrap a gift, 
put it into a garbage bag immediately. There's still that risk that it's going to be sitting under your Christmas tree and it's still going to be a temptation prior to unwrapping it. So unless you put the gifts in a closet or someplace like that where they can't get to it. I've actually started wrapping some of my presents. I don't really, I don't really use ribbons that much, but if I do, I, I might use a, uh, a paper-based ribbon, like a, yeah, it's got, I guess it's kind of a ribbon, but it's made out of paper. So it actually dissolves as the cat's chewing on it. Still not a hundred percent great because you may have dyes and stuff like that, but it's better than plastic. <laughs> So that's what I've done. Uh, Again, I don't normally use ribbons that often, Mm -hmm. but if I am going to be wrapping for family or for friends, a lot of the time I will use a paper ribbon instead of a plastic ribbon. That's good to know. Or even a fabric ribbon because fabric doesn't really dissolve either. So yeah, paper ribbons, I, I feel my personal opinion are a little bit safer, but if you can not use them, that's the best. I haven't even heard of paper ribbons before. So that's, that's a good thing to, to know about as well. So we have all of this other stuff. Let's talk a little bit more about Christmas trees. I know we mentioned a little bit and we may not have to go into great detail of the decorations on the Christmas tree, but the actual tree itself, you have to pay attention to. So Miranda, what do you think are some of the things that we need to pay attention to when it comes to our Christmas trees? Well, the first one I'm going to mention is the stability of the Christmas tree because (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure all of you out there have seen some of the horror stories of the trees falling over. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm sure you've seen, (laughs) I'm sure you've seen memes on social media too, of this dog looking innocent next to the fallen Christmas tree, (laughs) that type of thing as well. Yeah. That's, that's a very real thing. Usually it's because they're attracted to something on the tree that they want to get at. They're pulling at the electric lights. They're pulling at the garland. They're trying to get at one of the ornaments. There's something on it that's attracting them. And as they're doing that, they end up pulling the tree right over. Or you have a cat and they just want to climb it. And if it's not stable enough, that tree is coming down. Yeah. Or they might even jump into it from a higher, higher shelf or something. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Yeah. You know, if that happens, if the tree lands on your pet or it falls while your cat is in the tree, they could end up breaking a bone or getting very bruised or getting injured in some form or fashion. Yeah. And the other risk of that is if something happens to the electricals while it falls over, especially if you're not at home when it happens, then you have a risk of fire fire hazard. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, fire hazard. (laughs) So I never thought the holidays were so scary. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like we were saying, there's a lot of different options out there, things that you can do that can make this holiday completely enjoyable for you and safe at the same time. Yeah. We mentioned different options of things you can do with your trees, hanging them from the ceiling, anchoring them to the wall. You could put them in a bedroom and keep the door closed so that the pets can't go in there. You can put some kind of a barrier around them that can be tricky with cats, but you might be able to find some barrier that will go around them that will prevent either one of them being from being able to get access to it. Those are some different options to, to consider, but there are parts of the tree itself that can cause problems as well. More so if it's a live tree, 
but also there is issues that could happen with a fake tree as well. And that's with the the pine needles. Oh, yeah. Scary. Even if it's a fake tree, the pine, the fake pine needles are still sharp. And if they come off and get swallowed, much like the, the real needles, then they could create punctures in the intestinal tract or anywhere down the digestive system again. But they can also bunch up and here we go again, create another intestinal obstruction. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> the scariest part of owning an animal is the fear of obstruction, mm -hmm. I think. And there is a little bit of toxicity from the pine needles, but that's not as much of the concern. There's more of the oils from the fir trees. That's, mm. That creates more of a problem because it's, it's not toxic in the sense so much that it's going to create death, but it's kind of like in the same sense as the poinsettia is that it's going to create irritation, digestive upset. They're not going to feel very good. Mm, yeah. And you don't want to have to worry about your animal while you're trying to celebrate the holidays. Mm -hmm. So another area that I think people aren't really aware of is for real trees, you have the trees sitting in a water reservoir, because obviously if it's not in water, it's going to dry out. Yes. And you have more of a problem on your hands. <laughs> so. Yes. And you might think, okay, so what if the pet drinks the water? What's the issue with that? Well, the issue is that a lot of the trees that you buy are treated with preservatives. And so when this tree is sitting in this water, the preservatives are leaching down into that water, which the pet could drink. And that's going to make them very sick. Oh, yeah. And I think, isn't there a, something that you can add to the water too? I think there's an aftermarket thing that you can actually add to the water. I don't know that for sure. I haven't had a real tree my whole life. So yeah. um, not sure. About but that. I think there's something that, to, you know, because you do that with like roses and flowers, you get fresh flowers from the florist and they all come with like a little packet of of life extender. Oh, yeah. I think there might be something that people use in their Christmas trees to help extend their life because not everybody wants to throw their tree away right. right after Christmas. They like to keep it up early and like to keep it up late. So mm -hmm. yes, that's quite possible. Uh, yeah, it's not good. Just yeah. it's not good. Yeah. Keep everything away from them. <laughs> so that's, again, where you would want to try to find some kind of a barrier that you put right around the tree or, again, put it into a room that they don't have access to. That doesn't mean that you they can't be in the room at all if you're in the room, but you just need to be very mindful and be constantly aware. And reinforce those boundaries. Yes. Just like we had mentioned before, an old cat and an old dog can learn new tricks. So enforcing boundaries compassionately is a great way to help you be a little bit more traditional sometimes. Mm -hmm. Once they learn, they learn, but you're going to have to stay aware just in case they decide, oh, I'm going to test my boundaries because just like little kids, they will do that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just boundaries, boundaries, <laughs> boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. <laughs> I can't say that enough. Boundaries for you, your animal. <laughs> the amount of tradition <laughs> boundaries <laughs> <laughs> and another issue you could encounter with your tree is sap oh yeah because there's that new thing now people actually bring in potted pine trees into the home so they can save a tree mm -hmm. um yeah the second that tree starts to warm up the sap starts flowing Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Ooh, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. If your pet ends up walking anywhere near or rubbing against the tree, then they can get the sap on their fur. 
Now, the sap itself is not really toxic, but if they get pines sticking to their fur, pine needles sticking to their fur because of the sap or other things, maybe they have ribbon or I don't know, whatever, they can get different things sticking to their fur because the sap is sticky. And then they try to pull it off or something, and then they could end up ingesting whatever it is that is sticking to the sap. That is where the the problem comes in. Mm -hmm. Those items that are sticking to the sap can be harmful to them. And as well, the sap is not all that easy to wash off. So it takes a little bit of effort to be able to clean them of it. So that you just have to think, do you you want to put the effort in it? Yeah, Yeah. it's something to be very cognizant of. There's that word again. (laughs) Cognizant. So what do you think is the best plan that people can try to organize within their home to help protect their animals? Well, I think the probably the ideal thing, if people have the size of home that accommodates it, is to set a room aside that could be, quote unquote, the Christmas room. Mm. And then that's that's where they can have their Christmas tree and their decorations and whatever else that they want. And they can have keep the door closed so that the animals can't get to it. That would probably be the best option. But a lot of people don't have that extra room that they can do that. So then it's just better to find creative ways, create new traditions that are going to be safe find ways to put things up higher on the wall or, you know, you, you don't even necessarily have to have a Christmas tree. I remember one year, my partner and I had just taken some Christmas lights. We had attached it to one part at the top of the ceiling and then we kind of spread it out kind of like a, a Christmas tree and attached that to the wall. Ooh. And we had a few, three or four different strands that we did that and it was just attached to the ceiling and the wall and we kind of made our own Christmas tree that way. Nice. Yeah, that works. That works. I mentioned before, there's so many creative ways. There's so many products on the market that will allow you to create alternatives for your Christmas tree. Mine's little four foot one that gets stuck to the wall. There's just always some options. And I've seen uh, photos when I was looking for creative ways with using the lights like that. It's such a great way to bring the festivity, that feeling of the holidays into your home without creating a situation that you have to be overly aware and your animals can still be safe and everybody can be safe. Mm -hmm. And if you have children, maybe you can get your children to draw pictures of Christmas trees and presents and stuff like that, that you can put on the wall underneath the light tree or something like that. (laughs) There's lots of ways. There's lots of ways. Creativity, people. (laughs) (laughs) So some other things you need to be aware of, though, are things like candles, potpourris, gifts, and batteries. Candles, animals have a tendency to be curious about them. And they have access to them. They will often go and try to, I don't think it's try to sniff them, but they'll just sort of get close to them and they could burn their whiskers. They could burn their nose. If it gets close enough to their fur, it could set them on fire. Yeah. That's the worst of it. They could also knock the candle over, creating a fire hazard, but this also could create a a trail of wax, hot wax that they might walk in. So then they burn their feet. 
from the wax. Yeah. And just remember, people, animals, no matter what animal it is, they navigate their world with their nose and their mouth. It's just what they do. It's their nature. You cannot breed it out of them. They are going to use their nose and their mouth to investigate new things that you have around their environment. Because as an animal, they have to secure their environment. And by doing so, they will always go around sniffing and tasting things to make sure things are okay. You must put your mind in the same place as the animal when you are making the choices for the holidays. And candles are one of those things that you need to be super, super, super vigilant with. And if you have the opportunity and the little bit of extra money, get those LED candles. They look beautiful. Mm -hmm. They look like moving flames, but they're safe. And all you would have to worry about is the batteries. But Half of those things are so hard to get into in the first place to change the batteries that you don't have to worry about your dog getting to the batteries. They're just really safe. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's your safer option. <laughs> so if you can do those LED battery operated candles in, you'll be able to enjoy candlelight at the same time as enjoying your holidays, being safe from fire and keeping your animals safe. Mm -hmm. And with the batteries, the issue comes more in things like remote controls or battery operated toys or batteries that might be wrapped in a, a gift or put in a stocking. Those are the ones that are going to take more issues because I don't think that an animal is necessarily going to have the desire to try to bite a candle so much. If they were to knock it over and somehow the battery compartment opened up or something, then maybe, but that's probably a very minimal risk. Or if it looks like a toy. If it looks like a toy, an animal may think that something is a toy when it is not. Right. Hence those battery operated Santas and, and snowmen that you can get at holidays that we briefly talked about earlier. So if it looks like a toy, then bet that your animal thinks it looks like a toy too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I wasn't aware of this, but apparently there is a high amount of incidences where dogs have eaten batteries. Oh, For whatever so reason, whatever reason it is about batteries, they seem to like. And I think I've heard about a lot of remote controls being destroyed by dogs. Yeah, I've heard that too. So that's kind of the big one. So make sure you put your remote controls out of reach of your animal when you're not using them. If you have, if your children are playing with toys or if you're playing with toys. <laughs> <laughs> there are some of us adult kids out there. <laughs> make sure you put them away when you're finished with them or that your children put them away when they're finished with them. Yeah. And if you are giving a gift of some sort that requires batteries, don't include the batteries. <laughs> don't. You can give them to you can give it to them later. So you don't have to put it in the the gift itself or put it in the stocking. Just when they're ready to play with it, then you can be like, okay, here's the batteries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just be cautious, people. Be cautious. And I just want to kind of bring in, we we have talked a lot about stress and how it affects your animals. And we're going to go a little bit into that right now, 
But what we have been mentioning to you is a lot of times when an animal is stressed, they chew. So if you're leaving batteries around the house during the holiday season, where the animals are already stressed to begin with, you're going to have more dogs chewing on things they're not supposed to be because it's how they relieve their anxiety. So keep your batteries Keep your gifts, keep your candles, all of the things that we've been mentioning to you, all of the holiday decorations, keep them away from your animals because they're already going to be heightened in stress and that is going to make them chew. And you may say, oh, my dog will never chew on batteries. Well, guess what? You don't know what they're going to do when they're highly stressed. Mm -hmm. So I just want to kind of touch that a little bit. We're going to talk about a couple other things. This also goes into the next topic we're going to talk about, but I want to just kind of add that little caveat here. You don't know what your animal is going to do when it's super stressed and batteries, they tend to be very much a part of the holiday season. Mm -hmm. So these next two items, I'm just going to touch on briefly, but one of them is potpourris. A lot of people like to use potpourris during the holidays because they want to make their place smell nice, but this is highly toxic. Both the dry and the liquid forms can cause a lot of problems. And the other thing that people sometimes use is incense as well. Really avoid using those at all if you have pets. And then with gifts, we already kind of talked about gifts on that animals can sometimes be attracted to them with the ribbon and that, and they might play with that, but it also might contain food items. If somebody gives you a present with chocolates or nuts or coffee, these shouldn't be left under the tree. And this can be a challenge sometimes because you get a gift from somebody and they don't tell you what's in it because they want it to be a surprise. And we might not be able to smell that there's food in there, but your pet sure will. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the, yeah. Oh yeah. They will know. So this is a really good know. reason, again, to not leave presents under the tree. Leave them in a closet or in a closed room or something where your pets are not going to get access to them. Yeah. I also want to add a little bit briefly as an addition to the potpourri section. Potpourri is very toxic, but so are essential oils. Mm, yes. I want to bring that up because that seems to be a big trend nowadays. There are some oils that are fine. There are some oils that are fine for dogs, but are extremely toxic for cats. Do not go and say, oh, well, Miranda and Victoria said potpourri is toxic, so I'm going to use essential oils. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. All of the scents, for the most part, that you would use around the holiday season is toxic to cats and dogs, and they don't have to ingest it. Just you diffusing it into your home or having it on things or dripping it in wherever you want to drip it onto to bring the smell, just the scent, the terpenes, all of the energetic components of essential oils, they can cause a lot of problems. And you can have be diffusing a essential oil for the holiday scents. And the next thing you know it, your cat or your dog has pancreatitis, but yet they didn't ingest anything. Doesn't matter. So just as much as potpourris are or can be toxic to animals, so can essential oils. So be aware of that. I can't stress that enough. Actually, one thing I'm going to say, it's not really a holiday scent, but Palo Santo for my cats, it has been an almost instant reaction 
in the cat's pancreas. And I've had to take my animal to the vet because they were getting pancreatitis from Palo Santo. And that is a very common cleansing essential oil, cleansing wood, incense. These things, all the animals have to do is smell them. Even if you can't smell them, they can smell them and it can cause issues. I'm going to get off soapbox. I'm going to add to that though, that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Then we can stay on the box. Yay. All right. (laughs) Um, Just what I have found out about essential oils is that not all essential oils are the same. The ones that you buy in the grocery store and places like that are usually very low quality and are- And higher in toxicity. Yes. Yes. Thank you for bringing Um, that up. And as well, Victoria did mention that there are some essential oils that are okay for animals, but you do not want to make an assumption. There, if you talk to a qualified essential oil specialist, there is a book out there that has been written together with veterinarians that outline what essential oils are safe and for which animal and what you can use them for. So you want to look into that if you want to use essential oils try to find that book um, or a, re- a representative do you know what the title is not on the top of my head but we can i do have it in my computer somewhere so i can we can put it either in the show notes or on the website later on okay cool yeah that would be great to know that would definitely be great mm-hmm. to know all right okay we're stepping down now people <laughs> <laughs> So what else should we start to think about? I know we're we're uh, just about done, but I know we have a few topics that we want to bring to you. So what else do you have for us, Miranda? Well, we can talk a little bit more about stress and we can also talk more about ho- or talk about holiday travel. And in a way, they also go together as well. Maybe I'll talk about the holiday travel travel first, and then we can talk about stress to kind of bring all of this together. Okay. Sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> so during the holidays, sometimes you might consider that you want to go somewhere. Maybe you live in a cold climate, you want to go to a hot climate to, to spend Christmas or vice versa, uh, or maybe you want to go spend time with family or something like that. If you are thinking about this, you also need to keep your pet in mind and how this is going to affect them. If you are traveling without your pet, then emotionally, mentally, and that they're, you need to consider they're going to be missing you. It's going to be stressful for them yes. if you're away for a week, 10 days, two weeks, however long it is that you've decided for. Yeah, especially nowadays where when we travel, sometimes you have to quarantine for two weeks. So your travel, holiday travel may be a lot longer than it normally is. So keep that in mind as True. well. True. I hadn't actually thought of that. If you do decide that you are going to travel without your pet, your general options to consider is hiring a pet sitter or either a professional pet sitter or asking a family member or friend to come and look after your animal or to take them to a boarding facility. Now, if you're boarding them, you need to make sure ahead of time that their vaccines are up to date because otherwise a boarding facility will not accept them. And you need to plan ahead of time because Christmas being or holidays even being a popular time for people to travel, these facilities can be fill up quite quickly. And so you you might have to book fairly far in advance to make sure that you get a spot. So planning is essential. But keep in mind that not all boarding facilities are the same. You could 
end up putting them in a boarding facility where they're essentially in a kennel the whole time, except for maybe a walk twice a day. And you don't necessarily know how much one-on-one interaction they're getting, either with the humans or with other dogs. So if you really want to avoid them from becoming really, really stressed, you really want to look for a facility that provides interactive time both with the other dogs as well as the humans. Because as we mentioned before, dogs are pack animals and they need to have that interaction, that stimulation. Cats, on the other hand, you have to kind of be aware of their personality. Cats may not always get along with other cats. So putting them in a room with other cats could be really stressful for them. But you still at the very least need to have a human who is going to spend maybe a half an hour to an hour or something like that, or more if possible with them each day, even if it's just sitting in the room with them. They don't necessarily have to be petting them, but just Letting the cat know that there is someone there. They're not just all by themselves. Yes. My personal recommendation, though, is to use a pet sitter or somebody who is qualified or responsible to come into your home. Animals like routine and they like familiarity. And when you put them in a boarding facility, you're pretty much taking all of that away from them. So at least if they're in their home, they're in a familiar environment. The person caring for them can maintain routine in terms of when they get fed, when they are taken for a walk. So they're not going to probably get as much attention as you would normally give them, but at least having that routine and familiarity is going to reduce their stress somewhat. If you have to travel, travel with them if you can. Mm -hmm. At least they have you. The travel may be stressful. The ride may be stressful. The new location may be stressful, but they have you. And most animals will look to their human Mm -hmm. for security. And even when you travel with them, you can maintain some level of routine with them. Maybe not the familiarity aside from yourself. But you can have maybe if they tend to sleep in a kennel quite regularly, you can bring that kennel so they have that sense of security to sleep in at the new location. You can still make sure that they're getting their food at the same time, their walks at the same time, so that they maintain that routine. But there is a lot of other things that you need to consider, though, if you're traveling with them. It is definitely involves a lot more planning. If you're just going to another city, it's not as big a deal. But wherever it is that you might want to go, you want to make sure you take the vet's number with you, the emergency vet number with you, and find a vet in the area that you're traveling to. As much as you might plan to keep your pets safe, there's no way that we can 100% guarantee that they will never have something happen to them. And plus the fact you're going to a new location that you didn't have the wherewithal or the ability to pet proof. So they could have come in contact with more things than they would normally do at your home. You know, wherever you're going, they're not going to be thinking of your pet automatically. That's another thing that would add to your planning. You would have to know where you're going, where you're staying, how safe it is for the animal, Mm -hmm. especially if you travel with cats. I know that's not as normal of a thing as with dogs, but you have no idea if you're going to someone's house, is that person's house cat proof? It might not be. Are you going to have to keep the cat locked in a be- in a bedroom, which I would think would be the safest thing for them as long as you're with them. Yeah, this, it takes mm-hmm. a lot of planning. I do recommend it if you can do it again, because of it is 2020 and the things that we are dealing with all around the globe, obviously travel may be limited for mm-hmm. most people. So this might not be an issue for you, 
but it is something to get into your little Rolodex in your brain. So when you do have the opportunity to travel, you can take these things into consideration because it's not just holiday travel that these pertain to. It's also just travel Mm -hmm. in general. So hopefully this information will help you beyond the Mm -hmm. holidays. The other things you might, you'll need to consider is if you're going to be traveling out of province, out of state, or to a different municipality, there are certain laws that could be in place regarding your pet. You might need to provide a health certificate from your vet to prove that they are actually healthy. And certain areas might say that you have to have certain vaccines in order to be able to uh, go into their area. So depending on how you feel about vaccines, you may not want to consider going, taking your pets to those areas. If you don't want to inject your pet with those types of things. There are definitely some municipalities and different provinces and states that have rules. And if you want to travel without any outside issues, these are some of the things that you're going to have to check and to be cognizant of. (laughs) I love that word. The word of the day. Cognizant. (laughs) (laughs) Research and planning is essential for all things animal Mm -hmm. over the holidays. And I would recommend, if at all possible, it is much better for your pet if you can travel by car or by vehicle over flying with them. Because flying can have so many issues with it. Depending on the size of your animal, you may not be able to put them under the seat in front of you. They may end up having to go into cargo. And if they go... And cargo is not always pressurized properly. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely a lot of risks when you have to put them in cargo. I believe there's been a lot of deaths that have happened. But you also have to be mindful of the type of animal you have. Those animals that have the squashed faces, they also are already prone to respiratory issues. And when you put them in a stressful situation, as well as in a cargo situation, they may not be able to breathe properly. And I've also seen stories that not all airlines will abide by the recommendations that have been created to for animals to fly safely or as safe as possible. Yes. As unfortunate as that is. It's sad. It's incredibly sad that in this day and age, there are still people that treat animals without thought. And there's a lot of airlines like that. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk to talk to your vet. If you aren't planning to fly with them, talk to your vet, talk to your airline about travel requirements, ask as many questions as you can to be able to make the best informed choice around traveling with your pet as you can. Yeah. And I also want to throw in another caveat. And I know I brought it up a few times, but it is something that we definitely need to talk about during this holiday season, especially in 2020. Animals can get the virus. So you need to also think of them. It is not just a human virus. And if you're going to be traveling, You need to remember to do it safely and keep your animals in mind. Dogs and cats can get the virus. So if you're going to be traveling, not only do you need to make sure that you are safe, you have to make sure that they are safe. 
So that is my caveat for the traveling. So honestly, this year, just stay home. Mm. <laughs> just stay home. It's better for everybody. But yeah, just it's not just about you. It's it's about you and your animal. And I just wanted to throw that caveat in. If you're going to be traveling, you need to protect them as well. Mm-hmm. And wherever it is that you're going, if you do decide to take your pet with you, you want to make sure you bring their food because you want to keep them on the same food that they've been eating. Any medications they might be on, their health records, a first aid kit, their ID information if they somehow get loose or get lost, and anything else you think your pet might need. You want to bring all of that with you. And as well, if you do decide to travel by vehicle, there's some safety tips, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail in it, but safety tips when you are your pet is in a vehicle. One is you want to make sure that they are properly restrained. So using a harness of some sort that is attached to a seatbelt, basically the same reason we wear a seatbelt. If you suddenly stop, they're not going to go flying. Or you could have a carrier that they stay in that sits on the floor of the vehicle. And you want to make sure that they are far away from the airbag. If they're in the front seat and the airbag goes off, that's probably going to kill them. Same reason as you don't put a toddler or a baby in the front seat. And then lastly, never leave a pet alone in a vehicle. Always make sure there is somebody in the vehicle with them. And don't even say, but it's not summer. (laughs) I'm sorry. Just don't. Just don't. Don't. Um, It's not good for the animal. There are laws now in a lot of places that will allow people to get into your car to rescue your animal if they feel the animal is endangered. So just avoid the whole situation and... Avoid any health issues that may come. Do not ever leave an animal unattended in a vehicle, period. Mm -hmm. It's just safe. Mm -hmm. So let's talk, uh, just to kind of wrap all this up, let's go back to the stress and briefly touch Mm -hmm. on the different ways that stress affects your animals Mm -hmm. during the holidays. I think we've touched on a lot of areas where stress can come in. I think one of the big, biggest areas of stress for animals is when there is a lot of unfamiliar faces or activities not that start happening in the home and they're not used to it. Different animals can react differently. Some animals might be okay with it and be like, oh, goody, I get to get pet by all these different people. <laughs> And others might just want to go hide. Yes. So, <laughs> so you need to be aware of how, how your pets are in those situations. And if you're able to pay attention to that ahead of time, when you've got smaller groups of people that are coming over, then you can pay attention to how your animal is behaving. Are they wanting to be around the people or are they wanting to continue to disappear? Are they behaving differently than they normally do. The the best thing to do is ahead of time, find a place in the home where you can put a bed or a crate or a kennel or something like that, that is a quiet location for them that is off limits to other people, especially children, because children, you know, they always want to go and pet the animals. And so you need to monitor them and make sure that they're not constantly bugging your cat. Yeah, because a stressed and fearful, overly bugged dog will bite. Mm -hmm. Or cat. Or cat. (laughs) Well, cats are more likely to bite than a dog. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but even a sweet, sweet dog that has never bitten anybody in their life, maybe push their limits during the holiday season. Mm-hmm. If they're being overly stressed and they're constantly every corner they turn, there's something that scares them. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. may have an animal that will lash out in protection mm-hmm. of themselves. Don't just assume because you are not the animal. You don't know how that animal is going to act, react when they are overly stressed. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's key to, to keep an eye on them and pay attention to how they're behaving and have this quiet place set up for them ahead of time. So maybe it might be in the basement um, if it's uh, more of a finished type of a basement or something where they can go down there to be by themselves. Or maybe it might be a laundry room or a bedroom, whatever it is that is, is off limits to everybody else and make sure that everybody else knows that if the animal is not in the room, just to leave the, the dog or the cat alone and not go after them. Yeah. And I just want to throw another caveat in for the owners of these animals. If your animal is not in the room and hasn't been in the room for a while, it's up to you to make sure that your animal is safe. Mm, Yes. You have the authority to go check on your animal. Just keep your guests away because you are not as scary as the guests and you need to be responsible and accountable. We have mentioned that sometimes a silent animal is a naughty animal. With the holidays, with all the things we talked about today, you need to make sure that your animal is not acting out because it's stressed and chewing on decorations and eating things it's not supposed to. And you also want to make sure that they are safe as far as energy. Are they Are they secure in their little spot that you set aside for them? Are they happy in their little spot that you set aside for them? If they are so scared, they're hiding somewhere where you can't find them, you need to address that. So you as the owner have the responsibility to maintain your animal's safety throughout the holidays, festivities. Doesn't matter how busy you are. If you don't see your animal for a while, go check Mm -hmm. on them. Make sure they're okay. Make sure they're not being naughty. Make sure they're being treated kindly. Make sure they are not super scared. Make sure they're not sick, Mm -hmm. but just keep your guests away from them Mm -hmm. for now. You need to be aware of how they are, whether you see them in the room or Mm -hmm. not. And you might have to speak up to to your guests more than once. Make sure that they know before they even come over what your expectations are in regards to the food, the drinks, the gifts, uh, anything else that they might bring that you, you know, also to make sure that they don't leave the front door open, you know, that they're being mindful that the animal is not about to run outside, leaving your cat or dog alone if they are leaving the room. Make sure that they are aware of all of these. And if you find that they are not honoring your request, you have every right to ask them to leave. Because your pet is more important. It's your place. It's your animal. If they're not going to respect you. Yeah, Yeah. that's an incredibly great point. I'm so glad you brought that up. You can say no. You can say, I'm sorry, you're not creating a safe environment for me and my family. Because your animal is part of the family. That's their home. They need to feel safe in their home. And that is the main thing that we're trying to bring to you is your animal needs to feel safe in their home. It's not just your home. 
It's their home. Anybody who is worth anything in your life will respect you and your home and your animal and will abide by those things. It's okay to set up those boundaries and enforce them. So I think that's pretty much all that we have to bring you. This is our supersized episode for you, but we wanted (laughs) to give this to you for the whole holiday season. We wanted to make sure that you had this information. Our podcast is relatively new and we did not want to keep throwing things at you that didn't really pertain to what you're going to be experiencing in the next couple months. So that's why we did the supersized episode for you. And both Miranda and I wish you the happiest, the healthiest, and the safest holiday season for you and your animal. And we hope that this information has been thorough enough for you and gives you the tools that you need to make good choices for you and your family. So happy holidays, everybody. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.